Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm gonna come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. I want you to go in your Bible with me this morning to 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. I also want you to put your finger on Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to begin a series of messages for the next few weeks. This morning I'm going to begin that series. And the series is called Under the Influence. I want to talk about spirits that are working against the church and in the church. And I don't mean our church alone. I mean from what I see as a person who travels and someone that uh, in the goodness and kindness of God in his will, I, I have the opportunity to uh, be a part of many different churches, oversee churches for young sons who uh, have planted churches. And I, I, I receive phone calls literally every day talking about church issues. And then I have my own church issues I have to work through. And these are unprecedented times that the church is living in right now. I don't know if you know it, but we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. These are different days. And there is some stuff going on that needs to be identified. So while I preach this to us, really I'm preaching this not just to us, but through us. Because um, I believe there are pastors who need this. I believe there are people in the pew who need this. I believe we all need this. I don't know about you, but I want to be free from every ounce of dark, demonic activity anywhere in my life at all. Y'all looking at me like you don't know that the enemy can use Christians, but how many know that the enemy can even work in the life of a Christian? And if you don't believe that, we need to fix our theology. I'm going to talk about that for the next few weeks. There are spiritual things happening. We are not just dealing with human problems. We are dealing with spiritual issues. And Paul says that we do not wrestle flesh and blood, but we wrestle principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so because of that, we need to be reminded that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. So my anticipation is for freedom to come where there's bondage and deliverance to come where there is bondage. And I'm anticipating that by the time we get through with this series, the word of the Lord is going to work in such a way that there's going to be a greater influence of one spirit in this house, in our hearts, in, in this city, in this region. I believe that the greater spirit is the Holy Spirit. And how many want to know what he is doing in the earth so that you can be right in the middle of it? Somebody say amen. I want to talk today about perhaps one of the most insidious and well-known infamous spirits, if I might. Known in the entire Bible and the kingdom of God. And today I want to talk about the influence of the spirit of Jezebel. The last time I announced that name in this city, I was preaching out of church. And when I announced the, the name of that spirit, it screamed out. And I was preaching at a state 
in a meeting one time and I said the name Jezebel and a person screamed, a light exploded, and a man's nose started bleeding all in the same second. So the fact that I just announced her name and we're still standing and the lights are still on is a good sign to me. I want to tell you that the devil is defeated and Jesus is Lord. And in the name of Jesus, we're not going to quit till Jesus has every bit of this house, every bit of this city, every bit of this region until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. We're going to keep preaching and reminding the devil he is under our feet. God, I wish I could find some help in this church on Sunday. First Kings 20. One, verse 1 and it came to pass after these things that Naboth pardon me after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard say a vineyard which was in Jezreel to the palace next to the palace of King Ahab of Samaria so Ahab spoke to Naboth saying give me your vineyard say vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden. I want you to look at the devil trying to take the wine and turn it into works. I'll come back to that. He wanted to have the vegetable garden because it was near next to my house and for it, it I will give you a vineyard better than the one you have. On it seems good to you. If it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. Look at the devil trying to buy the vineyard. If he can't get you to trade for the vineyard, he'll try to sell you out. I'm in a mood to preach today. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. Jesus. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He laid down in his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and he said, Give me your vineyard for money. Or else if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give it. I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You exercise now your authority over Israel. Look at this devil. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Flip over to Revelation. Because this thing is still working over here in Revelation. It's the, one of the very few that has weaved the web from the Old Testament to the New, but she's the same spider. Y'all not talking to me. Her tail is in 1 Kings. Her head shows up over in Revelation 2, but it's the same snake. Revelation 2. The Bible says, of the corrupt church at Thyatira in verse 18. 
to the angel of the church at Thyatira, because there's somebody in here said, oh, he's talking about Jezebel. This is not a spirit. You, you need to keep reading the Bible. Jezebel is not a chick. Jezebel is a demon. And I have seen men operate in Jezebel. Oh, I'm going to fix that in a minute. I don't want to fix it right now. I'll fix that in a minute. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, these things says the Son of God who has eyes like flames of fire, feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow the woman Jezebel who calls herself, she calls herself a prophetess. You allow her to teach and seduce my servants, Jesus said. To commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her a time to repent of her sexual immorality. She has not repented. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed. Those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I don't hear nobody saying amen on this scripture. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say and to the rest in Thyatira. And as many as do not have this doctrine which who have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I will put on you another burden, but hold fast. Somebody say, hold fast. Hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him, I will give the power over the nations. We'll give him power over the nations. One little verse left, and that's all. Ephesians chapter 4. Somebody say, he's reading too much Bible. It's good for people who hadn't read it all week. If you hadn't read it all week, we're going to get our Bible reading in right here in my sermon. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Do not give place to the devil. Say, do not give place to the devil. Lord, help me today to preach on the influences of this maniacal demonic spirit. Give me a prophetic unction and a grace and an oil to address, confront, and see the breakthrough of God over principalities and powers of Jezebel in this day. Now, God, you have not given us the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And today I thank you for what I feel in my heart. It's going to give us victory over what we feel in the atmosphere sometimes. And so there's victory in your name. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. You can be seated. So coming out of Easter, I am accustomed to preaching something that is totally joyous and, you know, all about where you're going, living your best life now, things that keep people hooked into the body, Things that kind of pull people in close. Yeah, I want to be a part of that church, that church where we're talking about, you know, every day is a Friday and everything is wonderful. And so then God says, I want you to preach on Jezebel. In fact, don't just preach on Jezebel. I, I, I want you to preach about spiritual influences in the church. 
And I want you to understand this today, that I believe Jesus is coming very soon. But he's not just coming after any old kind of bride. You do not wait for thousands of years for marriage only to settle for a bride that can't make her mind up if she wants to be with you or the world. There will be no backseat shacking up with the world with the bride of Christ. The true bride is coming out from among the world and we will be a separate people. A people who are marked by God, claimed by God, belong to Jesus, have no other allegiance to any other God, any other movement. I am not here today to be the most liked. If you're a Christian in this room, you live in a culture in which you will not be always celebrated and liked for your Christianity. I recognize living in this wonderful church city that we have here in Cleveland. I recognize that most everybody in this town is a Christian and ever, at least they say they are a Christian. But the reality of it is outside our Cleveland bubble, there is a lot of lost, demon-possessed, hell-bound people who don't give one flying flip about our Christianity. And I do not say that as some sort of uh, excuse or, or some, I'm not even agreeing with it. I'm just telling you the reality as I traveled the world and I am exposed to the move of God and the kingdom of God and the churches of God that are, and I say not that denominationally, I mean that in terms of the churches that belong to God. You got to clarify in Cleveland what you're talking about. I am seeing more dark influence. I'm seeing more hopelessness and more, um, it's, it's what I would call a spell. It's, it's like a, a heaviness and a darkness sitting on people, sitting on movements, sitting on churches. It's driving leadership out of the ministry. It's causing people to want to go find other careers and disconnect from the pressure and the, and the stuff that they're dealing with. And, 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 and I want you to understand that although it, it seems normal, it is not the will of God for his people to walk in some kind of compromise with these spiritual influences. It seems like if you just acquiesce and re relent and just say okay I'm going to give up and I'm going to and I'm going to kind of go with the flow it seems like things get better but that family is what the enemy intends for his assignment to help you do it's to say I don't want this fight anymore I don't want to contend for the faith once delivered to the saints I'm not sure I want to keep on running in this race I just want some peace and I want to tell you any peace you obtain by surrendering to your enemy is a faux pseudo peace. It's not real. There is a peace that comes only from making Jesus Lord and deciding completely in totality that if none go with me and my family, I'm still going to follow Jesus. And somebody has got to get that kind of made up mind if you're going to live with victory in the day that we're living. I want to tell you, evil men are not going to get better and better. Paul said that evil men shall wax worse and worse. In the end time, evil is going to grow and it's going to look like evil is, is growing like a cancer that cannot be dealt with. But don't lose hope and don't lose your faith and don't commit apostasy and don't throw in the towel. You're going to hear him say, well done, if you just keep the faith and keep on walking with God. Somebody say amen. And, and there are these spirits that are working their way into the church. 
They're not just working their way into the church. They have worked themselves into the church. And this is not some new thing. This has been happening since Jesus left planet earth. I mean, you have the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. And then about 60 years later, you have Jesus on the outside of the church in the book of Revelation knocking on the door trying to get in. How does that happen? In just a few decades, the one that baptized the church in the Holy Ghost ain't even in the church. He's trying to get back in the door. It's because the enemy is terrified of a body of people who know who they are. The enemy is terrified of the church operating in her purpose, standing in the divine authority of Christ and operating in the oil of the spirit. And the devil will do everything he can to run that kind of church out of business. Because it is the oil that breaks the yoke. It is the anointing that sets the captive free. It is not our, it is not just our coming to church and saying we are a member and showing up at our social gathering and I'm all into interest groups. I got one. I'm all into house fires. I got one. I'm all into making friends. I got some friends and family here. But at the end of the day, we are not the Lions Club. We are not a social club. We are the ecclesia of God. We are the born again, the blood bought, the redeemed. And when we get together, we are not here to find a new date or a new spouse it's wonderful if it happens but that ain't why I came I came because Jesus is alive and he's still setting the captive free these influences I want to make sure we understand that when we say spirits are at work in the church this is sort of a context for where I'm going When we say spirits are at work in the church, uh, I am not saying that that should be normalized, accepted, or even the focus. Uh, We don't spend more time talking about demons around here than we do about Jesus. I'm not going to talk about demons every week, and I'm going to preach this series because I want you to be aware. But I refuse to give the devil an ounce of glory. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching here. I refuse to give darkness an ounce of hope. I want the devil to wake up early in the morning and walk up back alleys of hell worried about us. I want him worried about us and what's happening. And Lord, I feel like preaching here. I want him to worry about the people of God and the redeemed who are walking this city and walking the streets and the places of business and they're full of the Holy Spirit. I want the enemy to know that we're alive and that Jesus is living on the inside of us. So when I talk about spiritual influence and I talk about these demonic spirits I'm not here to glorify the devil Uh, but I want to say to you that it only only a spiritual fool would look at the condition of the modern church and not come away saying man there's some there's some demonic stuff happening in places there's some enemies at work and I refuse to close my eyes to it because the only way the enemy wins is if he remains in authority and we don't displace him by exercising the spiritual authority that has been given to us in Jesus' name. On a very practical note, let me talk about my own testimony. On a very personal and practical note, I have never in my 20 years of ministry ever experienced 
the outpouring and the glory and another level in God without first encountering this spirit. When I first went to downtown, well, let me rewind. When I first went to Ottawa in 2003, March of 2003, with 34 people sitting in the pews, I remember standing up there as a 22-year-old young man, terrified of the looks of people's face. Every councilman in that church was old enough to be my grandpa. And I was intimidated. I would stand up and preach intimidated and scared. So if some of y'all say, why is he so, why is he so bodacious and so, you know, bold? Because you, you fight your way through this stuff and you come out not caring what people think about you. That's why. You fight enough of these devils and you'll quit trying to please everybody and you'll roll your sleeves up and tell the devil, if it's a fight you want, you're going to put your hands on my family. I'm coming up with my sleeves rolled out in the name of the Lord, pleading the blood of Jesus. Some of y'all going to have to get mad with it. I remember moving to Chattanooga as the Lord opened up other campuses. I remember when they come to me one Monday. I went down to the 4th Avenue campus and one of the elders of the church was there working at the church that day cleaning up. He said, Bishop, we got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, there's a drug dealer that lives across the street from this church who showed up this morning with a gun on his hip. I said, well, what did he want? He said, he wanted, your, he wanted to see you. Why did he want to see me? I don't need no drugs. He said he showed up because yesterday his drug runner got saved in our church. <laughs> Chris knows. I'm, Chris knows I'm telling y'all know when you're anointed, you catch everything that's falling. Come on, somebody. This needs to be fixed next week. Somebody help me with that. He said, yesterday when them people got saved, his runner got saved, and you looked at him, Bishop, and told him he was not a slave of anyone anymore, that now he belonged to Jesus, and his life was free. And he walked across the street to that man and told him, I don't work for you no more. I'm leaving this drug house because I'm going to walk in freedom the rest of my life. That young man left that drug house and ran for his life. They put him in a witness protection program and he's still alive and safe today. But that man came to the church and was looking for me and I don't know what he wanted to do. I knew he was mad because of what had happened. All week long I was praying because he told Elder, I'm coming back on Sunday. And when I come back on Sunday, I'm going to deal with your bishop. Well, all week long I was terrified. I was mortified. I called Chris. I called the law. I called the FBI. I called the TBI. We called the armed forces. We had people that were watching out. We had people that were trying to bring protection. This is a true story before the Lord. I drove up on that property. I had made my mind up. If that man is there and he shoots me, he'll have to shoot me preaching the gospel. When I drove up on the property on that next Sunday, not only was he not there, his hind end was in a prison and they had torn his drug house down and shoved it in a dumpster. He was convicted of all sorts of crimes and today is still behind bars. What are you saying? I'm telling you Jezebel will howl and 
hiss and will threaten your life. And if you let her, she'll keep it up at night and drive you crazy. But greater is he. I feel like preaching in this room. Greater is he that is in you than the one that is in this world. Somebody take some time and give God some praise. So, this is personal. I remember moving to the Highland Park campus. And those of you who've ever been to the Highland Park campus, you know it's a, it's a big intimidating place. I remember the first time I walked in the building, I said to God, this is too big for me. And the Lord said, it can't hold what I'm getting ready to do. I said, okay, we'll stay. I remember the first seven months preaching every Sunday in that cavernous place with a couple hundred people. Now on this Sunday morning, we probably have a thousand people between the adults and the kids. And this building is a third of the size of that sanctuary downtown. Imagine a sanctuary three times this size with only about 200 people. You could back a truck up and not hit anybody. Every Sunday for six or seven months, it felt like there was a demon sitting on the sound booth laughing at me. Preaching and nobody responding. Preaching and people sitting up looking like wooden Indians. Like, prove yourself to me. Preaching and sweating and hollering and speaking in tongues and sick people staying sick and broke people staying broke and hurting people staying. We were in a fight for our lives. And I remember one day thinking to myself, I have missed God. I have missed God. This was not, after all the confirmations I thought I had, I have missed God. And I felt like quitting down there. I'm just being honest with you. It'll wear you out. When you're fighting, I found some stuff out back in 2013. I found out that if you'll quit fighting and start letting the Lord fight, some stuff starts changing. And I remember when breakthrough came to that place. I remember when the power of God broke through. I'm going to tell you what broke that thing through. It was revival. It wasn't a cute, come on in here. It wasn't some cute little program. It was a move of God. Because there are some things that don't shake and break and fall off until the oil of the Holy Spirit starts falling. And what we're trying to do in today's church is figure out a way to build crowds and not address demons. And as long as the crowd is coming in, that means the cash is coming in. And as long as we got crowds and cash, then we won't preach anything controversial because we need to see the crowd to feed our ego and we need the cash to feed our lifestyle. Well, I want to tell you something. I'm not here to feed no ego and I'm not here for because I need nobody's money. I'm thankful. I'm blessed just like I am. I am here because the souls of men and women are perishing and the devil is turning churches into religious places playhouses with spirits that cannot be talked out or canceled out they gotta be cast out you gotta have a breaking of it you gotta have a spiritual breakthrough now and i want to tell you it's coming it's going to happen in this house and in this city let me let me ease into this i'm all excited here i need to calm down this this is, uh, I want to be, be clear from the beginning of this series. I do not believe the devil can possess or own a Christian. 
in the sense that the Holy Spirit does. You are owned and possessed in terms of a possession. When, when I fill out uh, or you fill out a financial, a personal financial uh, statement, they ask you, tell us your possessions. What do you own? Well, when I talk about demonic spirits working in the lives of people in the church, I want to be clear with you. I am not suggesting that the devil owns the believer. Because you are bought with the price. And you are the possession of God. But I also want to teach you and tell you that Christians can be used by the devil. I didn't get no help on that. Let me give you some scripture. Matthew 16 is one of the foundational messianic scriptures of the New Testament. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, and some say thou art a prophet, and some say thou art Elijah. And Jesus said, that's wonderful, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is all, this is amazing. It's the first time it's ever been talked about in scripture. Jesus said, blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that's when people start talking about, oh, he's the bishop of the church and he's the pope of the church. Yeah, keep reading. Just a few verses later, that same man who said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus starts talking about the cross of Calvary. And what does Peter say? You're not going to die. I'm going to save you from that cross. And Jesus whipped around and looked that same man in the eye and says, Satan. Y'all didn't help me right there. He said to the man who got the revelation, Satan, Satan, get thee behind me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God. In other words, in one place, he was being used by the Holy Spirit to reveal things that only the Holy Spirit could reveal. A few verses later, in the same situation, the same context, the same conversation, that same man comes under the influence of the spirit of Satan himself and begins to try to talk Jesus out of the cross. And what does Jesus do? He looks at one of his 12 best friends and says, Satan, Get behind me. Because if you let the devil stand in front of you, he'll keep you from where you're going. Sometimes you got to tell some stuff, even some friends that I know y'all can't handle this, but the enemy will look for any opportunity he can to have influence in your life and influence in the church. And isn't it funny how you can vacate your, your identity in just a moment and give what Paul calls a place to the devil. When Paul said in Ephesians 4, 27, give no place to the devil, let me help everybody understand something. He was not talking about unbelievers. He was writing to the church. And to the Christians, he says, give no place to the devil. So here's what I want to tell you. I do not believe the devil can own or possess a Christian in the sense of ownership. But I do believe Satan looks for open doors of access, points of permission, Places of opportunity to come into the life of a believer and work through that believer to wreak havoc. And if it goes unaddressed, that thing will take over. Every principality 
needs a personality to work through. And you've got to remember that when you start fighting spiritual warfare because if you're not careful, you will get personal with the personality. But we don't wrestle. Have you ever got it confused in your mind that you were fighting a person but you're really not fighting a person because the Bible said we don't wrestle flesh and blood. You are not fighting a person. You are fighting a principality working through that personality and that personality yielded itself to that principality in a way that the principality worked through the personality. Oh, y'all not hearing me on Sunday. You can be spiritual in the middle of Sunday morning service. Leave this church and go to Shoney's and get yourself a hamburger. They fix it wrong. And if you ain't got the right fruit, you will get a spirit of malice and rage over. Yeah, you should have fasted anyway. You got to be careful that you don't give place to the devil. And I've seen Christians. Long tenured members of churches give the devil a place. And if it's not confronted, challenged, and repented of, it takes over. Peter, y'all, was among the leaders of the New Testament church. And yet we see vulnerable times in his journey where the enemy sought for a place to work through in his life even to work against his Lord, Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this morning, you and I have to guard our hearts so that we who love Jesus don't give place to principalities that hurt his bride. I have never in 20 years of pastoral Ministry. I have, this is a massive statement because it's been a long time. I have never met a person who had and was operating under the influence of Jezebel and knew it. I pray for people. Chris, you pray for people. Chris, you pray for people. We pray for people all the time. In all my 20 years, I never had a person walk up to me and say, I need deliverance from the spirit of Jezebel. Because most people who have it want to hide it. Oh, it's gotten quiet now. Jezebel flourishes because she deceives. Jezebel flourishes because it is deceptive. Let me give you two common misconceptions regarding Jezebel before I proceed, if I may. Number one, Jezebel does not belong to the female race. Because I met some three-piece suit-wearing preachers that operated in the spirit of Jezebel. I didn't get no help on that. I'm trying to find where my people are in this room. I have met some bishops that operate in the spirit of Jezebel. I have met some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some evangelists, and some teachers who have operated in the spirit. Because again... When you say that, Pastor Kevin, what do you mean? Are they really saved? I believe they're saved, but I believe that they become vulnerable and open up a door for that spirit to work in their life. And I'm going to give you some clues of what to, what to look for and how to make sure you, in your own life that thing's not attached itself or attacking you. 
Number one, it is not a female spirit. Number two, Jezebel has nothing to do with makeup. Growing up in the church, the holiness church I was raised in, if a woman come in with makeup on and she was beautiful, she had Jezebel automatically. If she had on earrings, she was full of Jezebel. Let me help everybody understand something. It is a sin for some sisters not to wear makeup. Y'all, I see all y'all now. Y'all can't say nothing. Y'all mad, offended, and everything. Where are we going to eat? It's 10, 15. You ain't eating nowhere right now. Jezebel is not about makeup and beauty. Jezebel doesn't operate in just people who look beautiful. I've seen Jezebel operate in folk that look like they bounced off the back of a Conestoga wagon. It's much more insidious than that. Now, I'm not saying we ought to allow carnality in the church. I don't do it. I, I believe the church is a holy place. I believe when we come to the house of God, it ought to be unto the Lord. But this notion that you can put it in categories and you can categorize it based on appearance is simply not true. And it's not a gender-related spirit. So what do we look for when we talk about the spirit of Jezebel? Number one, Jezebel resists spiritual authority. Defies it. And Jezebel in her resistance of spirit. See, what we're dealing with in this day and time is something like I've never seen before. We have more people in the pew who know more than God called anointed leadership that God placed over churches. I'm not saying that there aren't wise. In fact, I pray for people smarter than me to come to our church. I pray for people brighter than me to come to our church. I pray for people with better business acumen because my gift is not administration. My gift is not, uh, where are you at? I'm coming for you in a minute. Hallelujah. Uh, my, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My gift is not administration. I'm not your best businessman. But I found out over the years I don't have to be the best businessman. I got to surround myself with the best business people. I don't have to be the greatest administrator. I just got to surround myself. With, but I'm going to tell you what I have that you don't have that you can't live without whether it's me or somebody else. I have an oil from Jesus on my life to lead his people. You say, oh, he sounds so arrogant. No, I say it in the fear of the Lord. If the church don't understand the anointing and the gift, they'll never grow up in the things of God. Because you can't just get smart and have the kingdom. you got to have people that God called to unlock the mysteries of the kingdom and provide access. Oh, come on here, somebody. I, I, I am not. I'm trying. I, I am not in any way attempting to say that, that, that I've arrived when I say, I'm just telling you, I'm what, forget me. Let's talk about other preachers. I'm watching them quit the ministry because they fight principalities and powers from these know-it-alls. It's quite in redemption in Cleveland on Sunday. People sit out with a bodacious attitude and they say things like, well, I'm going, 
I'm going to take all these people with me. I'm going to find another church. I watched pastors in the last month go through it. I watched friends of mine and sons, spiritual sons of mine and daughters because they're married to them and they are going through upheaval because someone, this is where it gets crazy. People say, I want a spiritual father. And the first time a spiritual father sets you in order or has to correct something in your life, you don't want a spiritual father. You want a spiritual sugar daddy. Because a spiritual father will love you enough to keep your soul out of hell. I ain't finding no help in the church right now. A spiritual sugar daddy only cares about you liking him. And the reason he wants you to like him is because he wants what's in your pocket. But a spiritual father says, I'm not just interested in giving you what you want. I'm interested in feeding you and telling you what you need. Because Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes we got to grow up and say, yes, that hurt my feelings. But it was true. And in order for me to become what I'm not yet become, I want to hear what God has to say. That is no invitation for meanness. That is no invitation for someone who claims spiritual authority to dominate. But when you pray and you bend your knee and you weep with tears over the body of Christ and her position and where she is, you come out with the burden of the Lord and preach the truth of God's word saturated in the love of God. And people say, well, we, let me help you understand something. I'm going to save you some time. I... I don't ask people what I need to preach. Because if God don't tell me what to preach, I'm going to give you something that's going to mess all of us up anyway. At the end of the day, I want to hear what God wants to say and you want to hear what God wants to say. And too many pulpits are for sale. And the price is right for some people. And so they stand up and say crazy things that ain't even in the Bible. But the, but the one writing the check said, this is how I feel. And all of a sudden the preacher starts feeling like the bankroller rather than the Holy Ghost wants him to feel. And at the end of the day, the bankroller won't say, well done. It is the Lord who will look at me and say, you were faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you rule over much. Some of us don't like this kind of preaching. But the church has got to grow up in this Jezebelic spirit dominates not only does it resist the spiritual authority but it it seeks domination through two patterns number one through intimidation intimidation have you ever been intimidated I have been intimidated I, re I lived in intimidation in fact the root word for intimidation is timid Paul told Timothy, don't be fearful or timid because of your youth. I needed that back in my 20s, especially when I was 22. And everybody in my church was over 60. It was nerve-wracking. I didn't know what they knew. I didn't have the experience they had. I wasn't sharp enough to be their pastor. It was just a God thing. Stand up and preach and they'll slip a note under your door. You misquoted the scripture. Y'all ain't lived with that before. They write a whole letter, no name on it. That's how Jezebel works, no name. I felt like I should tell you, and I was the dummy who read it. Let me save y'all some time again. You don't have to write me no anonymous letters anymore because I don't read them. 
Some of y'all wondering where this is coming from. Is there a problem, Pastor? There's no problem. I'm just letting Jezebel know you won't set up your camp in this house. You won't set up your operation in this place. Because I'm not 22 anymore and I'm not a rookie anymore. I'm 43 and I'm learning to lean on Jesus. And I've been through enough hell and come out on the other side to know that no weapon formed against me and my family is going to prosper. When I first announced we were coming to Cleveland, I think I told y'all this story. When I first announced we were coming to Cleveland, the night I announced it, a bear got in my backyard. I live in Ottawa, y'all, and a bear was in my backyard. Was I here in the Smoky Mountains? No, Ottawa. And my dogs were running in a circle from a black bear. I'm out here in my shorts with my flip-flops on, walking my dogs at midnight, and a black bear is chasing my, I'm chasing my dogs in a circle. Deb is in there rocking the baby. Oh, go to sleep, Asher. I come running through the house, and I look like, uh, I look like Harry and the Hendersons running through the house. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to get the gun. She said, what in the world is wrong? I said, there's a bear in the backyard. Devin said, come down to the Moshiach. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. The devil is a territorial devil. He don't want us to go to well, I want you to know we came to Cleveland and not only did we come to Cleveland We came to announce to Cleveland that you don't belong to Jezebel. You don't belong to Jezebel You don't belong to Jezebel. You belong to Jesus Your sons and daughters are not going to be steamrolled by a religious spirit. They're going to know the oil They're going to know the power of the living Somebody praise him. Just do something for him. Give him glory. The blind still see. The lame still walk. The deaf still hear. Those who are lost are found. There is power in the name of Jesus. Stand with me. Stand with me. I'm going to finish this next Sunday. Jezebel. I thought I was going to teach. I've hollered more today than I've hollered all my time here. Sometimes you got to cry loud and spare not. And this spirit of Jezebel seeks to dominate through intimidation. She told Elijah after he called fire down from heaven, I'm going to do to you what I did to those other 150 prophets that I killed. She sought to intimidate his life. Oh, you say, Pastor, I thought Jezebel was about sexual fornication. I'm preaching that next Sunday, so if you're dealing with it, you'll want to be here for sure. <laughs> but before I can get to domination through fornication, i got to get to domination through intimidation. Anytime you seek to usurp authority, and I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about in the kingdom. Anytime you seek to usurp authority, make yourself more important than everybody else in the room. Your wish and your desire is the most important thing. You better be careful. Don't open up your heart to that. Well, you know, I got enough connections. If I work hard enough, I can twist things and maneuver things and Don't get, it's my favorite word, Jezebelic. Don't get manipulative. 
when a preacher preaches something that I don't like to hear, the first question is not, did I like that? The first question is, did I need that? I need thee, oh, I need thee, Jesus. How many need him this morning? Every hour, I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. How many want to live a life free from the desire to dominate and manipulate? And you want to trust your life with the living God and you want to walk in honor. Lift your hands if I'm talking to you. Because you can't live in a Jezebelic attitude and live in honor at the same time. And if you want to walk in honor, I want you just to lift your hands and just build with your worship for a moment here. I want you to build a landing strip for God's favor and presence to rest on. He will not rest. I'm going to talk about it more next week. He will not rest on a life full of Jezebelic activity. But he will land on a life and bless it when it's yielded to his spirit. If you believe it, say yes. I want you to lift those hands. I want to pray. I want Pastor Chris and Crystal to come right now. And I want them just to minister. In fact, I really believe there's some people in this altar today who need to get to an altar today and their life is going to be changed. In fact, saved. There's someone away from God in this room. But before I leave, I want to pray for you. Lord, cut off every pattern of manipulation and domination out of our life. In fact, Lord, like you told the church at Thyatira, I gave her space to repent. Lord, this morning we take... Somebody needs to just repent of it and say, God, forgive me of it. I, I don't want to be a manipulator, a dominator. I'm not trying to boss my way or buy my way into what I want. I want you to have your way. That's who I'm talking to. We're the worshipers who say, Lord, have your way in my life. Have your way in my church. Have your way in my city. Come on, lift your hands. I'm not asking a rhetorical question. I'm asking how many want that to happen in your own personal life. Lord, I resist the residue of Jezebel in any way from operation in my life. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, right now. I want you to take your neighbor by the hand. Most every hand was lifted. I want Pastor Chris to come. Take your neighbor by the hand. And while he comes to pray, they can take it wherever they're feeling it. But I want you to pray one for another. Lord, rid us. We repent. Forgive. Get it out. We don't want anything in us that looks like that. We want to have a heart of honor, a house of honor. We want to live in a city of honor. And we want to honor the things that honor you. We want to bless the people. We want to love people. God, we're praying right now for there to be a breaking away from any spirit of intimidation or manipulation. In Jesus' name. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv 
And I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you and we're praying for you today. God bless, I look forward to seeing you next week right here.